Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at How many of you enjoy the rain? Okay, man, I love, I think it's refreshing today. Uh, I talked to some people who went camping this weekend. I told them camping is for those who love suffering and it's raining on the, you know, kind of a prophetic declaration. Uh, but no, uh, I'm glad you made it here uh, today. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about um, two words. I'm going to talk about taste and I'm going to talk about being filled with the Spirit and how that relates to our life within the kingdom of God. And so I'm just going to take a few moments and uh, explicate some things that God has put in my heart, the Word of God, and then we'll end um, in prayer and uh, God's going to do some great things. But before I do that, I want to share a miracle that happened today in my family. So if you've been with us for some time, uh, you know that my Presley um, has had, he's four now, he's had a heart condition since birth. And so we've had some struggles and uh, we've had a wonderful cardiologist that we met with and uh, his um, original diagnosis was a moderate pulmonary stenosis. That's what it was. So it was pretty significant. And we were told by our cardiologist, a great, great guy, that uh, most likely there would be no improvement and that we would have to eventually get surgery on my little uh, Pressy's heart. So anyways, he came, he went to the doctor um, this week. And uh, can I just read you what the doctor, um, after getting um, all this stuff, uh, this is what he said. Preston continues to do well in all respects, including uh, from a cardiac standpoint. His pulmonary stenosis is mild and inconsequential at this time. And the same goes for his mild thickening of the other three valves. valves. His cardiac function and physiology is entirely normal. That being the case, no activity, exercise, or restrictions or special cardiac precautions are needed. I don't, I don't think that is, that is some cosmic fluke. I, I believe it's because we've been partnering over my Presley and we have been contending for healing in a, in a miracle over his heart. I really believe that is the result of our prayers together. And I want to thank you for your prayers together and contending for what God has made available for us. So thank you for your prayers. If you don't know my son Presley, he is a little prophet, priest, poet. He preaches every day. Uh, he baptizes baptizes all his toys every day. He, he just loves to sing. And guys, his favorite song is this, You've Healed My Heart. He sings it every single day. And uh, I just, Presley, I'm declaring over you, God has some big things in store for that passionate little boy. So I believe this is, and, and I say that also because I want to stir our faith today. I believe this year is a year of healing. Both my wife and I have declared this over our church. We have seen extraordinary occurrences of healing, physical healing, emotional healing, uh, we just mental, Lord, I, I, we just seen, we've seen it all. And so uh, we want to continue to believe that God is not the great I was, but the great I am. And uh, we want to contend for that. So if you need healing, uh, 
we're gonna, I'm going to throw this out there. My wife and I, and I know God put this really on his heart. I think we need to do it here pretty soon. I think we need to have a healing service where we just, we declare God's word. We pray for the sick. Some of you are like, are you going to bring the snakes out? No, we're not that kind of church. Right? And when it comes to the charismatic churches, people get a little funky, a little weird. We're not that, okay? We just believe the promises of the word of God are for today. And so how many of you would like to be a part of that, right? I, I think, yeah. So we shall do that. So quickly, on taste and being filled with the Spirit uh, and how that relates to our life in the kingdom of God. First, I want to talk about on taste. How many of you enjoy eating? About 20 of you, okay. Okay, I haven't even enjoyed food. Okay, so one of my favorite things in the summer is a nice, juicy peach. A right juicy peach. See, you know you have a good peach. I just, I don't know what it is. I love the texture of peach. I love the, the peachiness of peach. I love the flavor. I love all the properties of peachiness. But you know you have a good peach when you, you take it right here and you have to stand away from it while you eat it. Yeah? Okay. Uh, I love peaches. One thing, I think one of the most un, underrated foods in the Western Hemisphere is gas station cherry pies. How many of you love a gas station cherry pie? All right, the devil is a liar. Only three of you? Okay, tell me. What, what, this, this is non-rhetorical. What are some of your favorite foods? Come on, let me hear. Burger. I love a burger. Pizza. What's that? Steak, yes. Beef. Come on, come on, come on. Salmon, okay. What else? I just, wow. What else? Talk, did I hear tacos? Did I hear Brussels sprouts? The devil is a liar. Can I get an amen? Brussels sprouts are satanic. Disgusting, foul. In fact, I will feed my children Brussels sprouts. It is so disgusting, they don't even spit it out. They just like, it just comes out of their mouth. They're like, it just slobbers out of their mouth. That's what you should do every time you eat a Brussels sprout. Right, we love food, right? Uh, life, life without taste, and the point that I want to make here today, and really quick, life without taste is, over the long run, unimaginable. So for example, a couple weeks ago, um, I came down sick, and after uh, three or four days of being sick, I lost my sense of taste and smell. And after about three days of not having my taste and my smell, I, I remember thinking to myself, Lord, just take me right now. <laughs> right? If you've ever lost your taste and smell, COVID, let's move on. Uh, we, we know that, like, man, that's, that's a difficult thing to, to manage. And I'm, I, I'm, I'll be really honest with you. I got to the point where I was like, oh, my God. Babe, please, um, if, if this is for the rest of my life, if I have no taste and no smell, just ask the Lord to take me away from this planet. Taste, why? Because taste is an essential feature of what it means to be fully alive. Taste and smell, and I lost my smell as well. And what's interesting, I had my son Riley with me in my study, and the doors were shut, and I, you know, I just wanted to play, hang out with him, play with him. And so we were, for about an hour, he was on my lap, and we were playing, and we were having a great time, and he was like doing his like rye things. And my son opened it, I have glass doors, 
my other son, my 12-year-old uh, boy, he opens the door and he comes in. He's like, oh my gosh, what's that smell? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Quincy. And he goes, Riley just pooped all over, Dad, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even smell that, right? How many of you think that your smell is important, especially as a parent, right? Taste and smell are, are not just luxuries of a fully human life. Taste and smell are essential features of what it means to be a human, right? The joy that we have is, is inextricably wrapped up or connected to our sensory capacity. Uh, some of my friends, they talk to me about... Um, what, what would happen if you, your, your sensory capacity was significantly diminished? So you have no sense, you have no taste, you have no sight, you have um, no hearing, you have no touch, right? Is that all of it? Okay, you have none of that, what would you do? And I'm like, well, I'm just not gonna play that game because that's absolutely miserable, right? In other words, life, when you don't have your taste and when you don't have your smell or you don't have your sensory capacity, life is significantly thinned out. Life is shallow, it's colorless. Right? Uh, over the long run, life is unimaginable. Now, I'm saying that because I, I think in the Western Hemisphere, and I'm not going to make a general statement about the church. I kind of am, because I know there's a lot of great churches out there. Can I get an amen? And there's a lot of good Christians who love God out there. But I think generally in the Western Hemisphere, the church has settled for a tasteless Christianity, a Christless Christianity, a powerless Christianity, a presenceless Christianity, a wordless Christianity. And we've opted for, and I talked about this last week, a client consumer relationship with God, where there's no obedience, there's no fullness, there's no abundance, there's no sensory encounter with the living presence of God. And here we come to Hebrews chapter 6. The, Hebrews, the, the passage. Um, fleshes out, the author of Hebrews fleshes out the dangers of apostasy. And I'm not going to get into some of the, um, the theological camps and some of the debates uh, when it comes to the nature of the apostasy. I just want to highlight what is so important, I think, when it comes to this word taste. Verse 5, the author of Hebrews uses taste twice to describe the essential features of Christianity. It says this, he tasted, we tasted, of the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. Taste. Taste is what? It, it, it's sensory. It's tactile. It's definitive. It's, it's personal. I'm going to talk about this here pretty quick. It's repeatable. In other words, the powers of the age to come is the Holy Spirit who brings the future into the present, who brings heaven and the activity and the environment and the power of heaven into our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. It is the Holy Spirit who, in other words, takes reality and fills it out. Taste. Have you tasted of the powers of the age to come? And I don't want to, I don't, I don't want a powerless Holy Spirit-less, wordless religion. I don't want that and, I, and call that normal. I don't want to normalize something that God has not called us and summoned us to, not to, right? You're hearing me. And so um, I, I, I've been feeling this passage for some time and I, I just want to make the case. I think as followers of Jesus, we don't live by our feelings and we don't just live by our senses. 
because our senses can calibrate towards wrong desires and wrong taste. However, I do think when it comes to our life in the kingdom of God, we should encounter and experience the relational dynamics of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We should, in other words, live from a place of abundance and fullness rather than just a shallow, colorless, monochromatic life that has no taste. Because I think there's a lot of people in the church world today, they're like, well, I had an encounter with Jesus in 1957. That's all I need. Well, number one, I would say that's great you had that encounter in 1957. But many people just assume that we have like one or two encounters with Jesus and then we got to wait until new heavens and new earth to get into the fullness. And so we kind of just live from a place of not overflow in our relationship with King Jesus. And we just kind of hobble through life living a vanilla, lukewarm, tasteless existence. Hmm. Have you tasted, I think the authors of Hebrews would say today, have you tasted of the powers of the age to come? Is, is that something that is a part of your um, understanding and framework of the life of the kingdom of God? You see, when, when I say reality is filled out, when the Holy Spirit fills you, or when you begin to taste, excuse me, of the Holy Spirit, what I'm saying is it's the difference between you being in 1937, watching black and white TV, and today having access to all the technology and watching something on TV, and yet being filled with the Spirit and tasting of the Spirit is infinitely more than that. Are we satisfied? Why am I shouting? Are we satisfied with the status quo religion that's highly rational and that believes in some form of biblical deism that God is somehow detached from our everyday life? And so we just assume then that if that's the case, then we're just going to live exhausted, frustrated, defeated lives. And yet the essential feature of Christianity is have you tasted of the Spirit of God? Have you tasted of the goodness of his word? I love Psalm 34 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So the description of our life in the kingdom of God shouldn't just be primarily defined by, I hope I make it. It should be defined by this tactile, definitive, personal, sensory encounter with the living Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I gotta preach this. But why are we settling for, okay, I guess the Holy Spirit We'll do something really big if we pack this place out and we have the right worship songs and we get the right preaching and we have the right guest speakers and everything is perfectly curated for our taste. That's when God will move. Why do we settle for that? Why can't we believe that our Father in heaven is a good Father? 
And I'm going to talk about this word here soon. I'm getting a little bit ahead of my message. Who wants to give you more. Not less. Taste. Taste describes this sensory, reproducible experience, encounter with the Holy Spirit. That taste is, another way of talking about that is being filled. As I talked about, when the Holy Spirit fills us, it's as if reality is being filled out. Right? Life is, becomes thick, becomes alive. It's, you, you become drenched in the fullness of God, as opposed to living a thin life. Right? Outside of Christ, everything is thin. Outside of Christ, you're living in black and white. Outside of Christ, everything's monochromatic. You live for success. You live for fame. You live for power. You make it the ultimate desire of your heart. Over and against trusting Jesus, your life will be shallow. As we are filled with the Spirit, that is when life is filled out. That's where there's, there's joy. That's where there's peace. That's where there's grace. So taste. Not only taste, but being filled with the Spirit is another way of talking about tasting. Billy Graham says this. It's haunted me for many years. He's an unknown evangelist that none of you have heard about. But this is what he said. Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected. And they often have reoccurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. What I love about it is he identifies the, the reoccurring defeat that we all kind of feel. How many of you have ever experienced spiritual dissatisfaction? Right? How many of you have ups and downs, right? What I, lo I, I love about this quote, he identifies the problem of the church. And then he, he articulates the vocational role vis-a-vis -vis culture that the church has. And that is to influence culture. The need of the church, and we've been summoned by heaven, to influence and transform our culture writ large, is that we are called not to be filled with gimmicks and formulas and programs and strategies. And some of those can be really good. Can I get an amen? We need order. We need form. And we need structure. But Billy Graham makes it very clear. And this is, he, he is right in line and step with the New Testament understanding of our life in the kingdom of God is that we need to be filled with the spirit of God. You see, one of my concerns with the church in the West, because that's just my experience, is that a lot of people are living from a place of emptiness and not living from a place of fullness. And so we, we, we find it hard to negotiate um, the, the complexities of life. We, temptation, we, we find ourselves falling prey to to temptation or patterns of sin or mindsets or thoughts that are cross, cross purposes with the kingdom of God. And we can't just throw a gimmick at the devil and the world and the flesh and, and live a victorious life. You can't just throw like a nice little maxim at some big temptation that has beset you your entire life if you want victory. If you want victory today and as we move into this fall season, we need more than programs, and we need more than just nice thoughts and illustrations. We need the power of the Word of God, and we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Taste and being filled 
are descriptors of our life, we'll say it this way, of the relational dynamic within the kingdom of God. On, on being filled, let me say this really quick. Um, you look at the creation stories and you see this beautiful complementarity of land and sea, heavens and earth, and they're all coming together. And within the creation story, it is God. Everyone say God. He speaks the world, we'll call it the cosmos, into, and it's so beautifully lyrical in Genesis 1, into existence. So he, he builds out the form and the structure of heaven and earth and this beautiful complementarity of all things that we have identified within the universe. And then what we find in Genesis chapter 2 is that on the seventh day, God rests. And then we see within the, the entire story arc of the Bible, God is doing something very particular. It is God's desire to fill creation with his loving, healing presence. You have prophetic word after prophetic word given, uh, visions given to the prophets who state that as the waters cover the sea, so God's glory would flood the entire creation. That is the intent of heaven, guys. God builds out a form, and it's his intent to flood it. That's why nature abhors a vacuum. Are you with me? Like some of you, I don't want science class, but just go with me. The reason why nature abhors a vacuum is because it's a reflection of the heart of our Father in heaven. It is his desire to flood the form that he built out called creation with his healing, saving presence. In fact, creation cannot function. This is the entire idea behind this. Creation cannot function if God does not drench it with his presence. So the word fill in the Bible is a spatial term depicting an abundance of, of things in particular or with particular objects. For example, the land in the Old Testament world was overrun with idols or filled with idols. The banks of the Jordan brimmed with water or was filled with water. Land densely was populated with people or filled with people. The temple wall to wall uh, was filled with the glory of God. You see again the language of fill. God wants to fill his people. God wants to walk with his people. God wants to dwell with his people. Within the Greek world of, of words and all that kind of stuff, we have, you have this Greek word called plural, and we get our word plethora from this, which simply describes, this Greek word simply describes um, in many different examples, a ship with a sail billowing with the wind, a jar, jar brimming with liquid, a fragrance filling the room, hills covered uh, with trees. It also talks about the readiness or the completion of time. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, this word fill is significant and essential as a way to describe our life in the relational dynamic of the kingdom of God. In other words, we are called and we are designed by God to be saturated and drenched within the presence of Jesus. And when God comes to fill us, what does he do? He removes other things that have filled us. The intent of heaven, are you with me? Is to fill you with the depths and all the dimensions of the love of God and the power of God and his wisdom and his grace. That's not just an additional thing that God wants to do. God's not like, okay, I'm going to go to the charismatic churches, right? 
because they're the freaks. They're the weirdos. Well, I'm going to come to the pre-service people. They really prayed hard, so I'm going to fill them. But all the other Christians, right, they're not going to get my spirit. There's a weird schism within the church world today, a, a hierarchy that is not reflected in Scripture. In order to live the life that God has called us to live, we need to be filled with the Spirit. It's a non-negotiable. Again, within the framework of God's good purposes for our lives, our family, our souls, our bodies, our career, our work, our mental health, our future, our vocation, all of it. Ephesians 5.18 says this, do not be, I want to read it one more time, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. You know, none of you know what that is, so we'll just move on. God, okay, you're awake, I got you. Bad joke. But be filled with the Spirit. All right, there's three dimensions to this text. And I just want to practically just lay out a way in which we can understand what being filled is. Number one, be filled with the Spirit is cast in the imperative. What, what does that mean, Chris? Well, it just, it's a command. So being filled with the Spirit is not just for um, those who, you know, are really intense, really radical, really want to do God's will. I mean, kind of the weirdos in, in the Christian faith. No. Being filled with the Spirit is the essential feature of our life in the kingdom of God. So if, if you want a life that's marked out by love, if you want to fight the good fight of faith and stand against the unjust powers, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, if you want the power of, of the Spirit of God um, operating in your life, which is available for all of us, um, if you want uh, this, the accumulation of sin to be removed, uh, if, if, if you want the profound addictions to be overrided by the Spirit of God, if you want to be set free from demonic mindsets and powers, if, if you want uh, the cycles of bitterness and resentment to be shattered in your life, uh, if you want to have more spiritual hunger and appetite for the things of God, if you want God to come and, and expose the deep trust structures that you have in your life, these are structures that define your emotions and your ultimate trust, uh, over and against God and his good purposes for you. If you want to walk in power, if you want to have wisdom, if you want to have authority, if you want anything when it comes to the story of Christianity, you need the Spirit. See, and I'm, let me just say this really quick. Uh, within the economic Trinitarian community. There are roles that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit play. Jesus' role was to launch the kingdom of God through his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus, and this is the good news, guys, Jesus reigns over all. So right now, the role of the Son of God is to rule the entire universe of things from heaven in his fully embodied state. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? The role of the Holy Spirit is to take and to actualize what Jesus achieved at the cross and make it real in our present daily life. So if we're like, I'm not into that Holy Spirit stuff, right? we're, we're cutting off the branch that we're sitting on. In other words, 
The Holy Spirit is the life source of our life. If you want power, if you want to be able to navigate the marital tension that you find in your relationship with your spouse, if you want to be able to address the, the dysfunction that you find in your family, if you want to be able to do what God has called you to do in the power of God, if, if, you, want to, if you want to actualize the joy and the peace and the love and the gentleness that we find promised to us, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You see, being filled with the Spirit, as I mentioned, is not a, a spiritual deluxe edition of Christianity. You know? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the, of the Trinitarian community of self-giving love. The Father, Son, and Spirit. If you don't know anything about biblical time, let me just say this really quick. We live within the age of the Spirit. Jesus reigns over all, and he poured out his Spirit on his people. And it's the Spirit who brings the activity of heaven into our lives. So it's an imperative, right? It's not just some, oh, maybe I'll do that in a, a couple years. Or maybe I just, I, I need to get my life right in, in, in order to be filled with the Spirit. No, the, being filled with the Spirit is a command. It's an imperative that describes the dynamics of the kingdom of God and the relationship that God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit want to have with us. Number two, uh, this statement, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, 18, is cast in the passive tense. What does that mean? It means, and this should be good news, and, and I'm, I'll wait for a really good amen after I say this statement, okay? So I'm gonna amen myself too. So when I come over here, that's your cue to say amen to this statement. <laughs> we don't fill ourselves up with love and goodness and victory and hope. Yes. Amen. 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 Right? I'm just not a believer in, sorry for your ears, I probably just, you're, I scream a lot. I'm just not a believer in like human potential. Like I don't even know, the, I don't even understand the slogan, you just do you. Like what does that even mean, right? I, soul power, okay, willpower can get you a little bit down the road, but honestly, I'm into God's power. And I just think so many times because guys, we're Americans. And we've been blessed. And if we're not careful, we just take for granted what we have. And then we kind of drift into complacency. And then we, we become deluded because of just this drift and this kind of slow creep that because of the nation that we live in, that we can just do things in our own strength. Ah, Chris, I, I built my billion dollar business, so I, I think I could do the Christian thing. No, you can't. Oh, I, 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 I can do this, or I have resources. And I'm not saying you don't have resources. I'm not saying you don't have strength. But what God has called us to, and the relational dynamics of the kingdom of God, and the summons of heaven to fight the good fight of faith, and to speak truth to the powers, and to build for the kingdom of God, and to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, and to reflect the wisdom and the truth of God, and to grow in confidence in who we are. You are, and I am a son, and some of you, I'm not a daughter, but some of you are daughters, right? We are children of God, and it takes time. 
to soak that into every fiber of our being. And you can't just soak that up in your own strength. Be filled with the Spirit is a passive thing. It's when we become receptive. It's when we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit. It's when we partner with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis in prayer, in confession, in worship, in fasting, as we embrace the spiritual habits and rhythms of following Jesus, as we open up our life to the, the breaking out of the, please hear me, uh, the kingdom of God. It is the Holy Spirit who brings everything to us. The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of Christ or the fruit of you. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit produces in you and I. And third, to be filled with the Spirit is cast in the iterative sense. It just simply means being filled is a repeatable, experiential, tactile expectation that God has for you and I. We're not called to be filled just once or twice in our lives. To be filled with the Spirit is an ongoing experience in our relationship with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. The implications are staggering. It means that if we're called to have an ongoing experiential encounter with Jesus where he comes and fills us up where we don't have to live from a place of exhaustion but live from a place of abundance and fullness it implies that we can ignore and not be filled up with the spirit of God is that you hearing me I, I, I guess I'm trying to pawn off on all of you we can because of the availability of the Holy Spirit within the framework of the kingdom of God and because of the relationship that our Father in heaven wants with us, he has every single day made available everything that we need. That we don't have to live from a place of emptiness and exhaustion and tired and anxiety and fear. Are there days that we'll, we'll go through that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are, are there days that we'll struggle? Are there days that we'll suffer? Are there days we'll have persecution? Yes. But the primary description of our life before God and the relationship that we have with King Jesus is a tactile <laughs> description. We should live from a life of fullness. Let me say this. My greatest fear as a minister of the gospel is not dying for my faith, it's not being maligned or my character being besmirched in a false way. My greatest fear is when I have to fight the good fight of faith against the flesh, the world, and the devil, that I have nothing left within me to do what God has called me to do. My greatest fear is emptiness, shallowness, a life where I'm just like kind of going through the motions. A powerless, tasteless, Christless, wordless religion. God has not called us to that domesticated version of Christianity. So these, let me say this. The relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit is repeatable. 
is ongoing, it's definite, it's personal, it's dramatic. And here's the, here's the thing, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in unique ways. See, when my wife, before she came to Christ, she was bad. Bad. I mean, if you knew her, whoa, I'm kidding. She's, I love her. But I, what, what I love is like God did something so profound in her. There were some things in her life and in one moment, and I love it when she shares her testimony. Everything that was in her that was interfering or blocking the life of the kingdom of God from flowing in her, instantly she was delivered. I mean, it was amazing. My experience was different. I grew up, I was a great kid. Um, no, but my experience with the Holy Spirit was different. It was also dramatic, but it was unique to my personality. It was unique to the season of life that I'm in. Here's the thing that I want to say. Sometimes when, it, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, sometimes God will drag you, and sometimes God will draw you. So let's not stereotype the filling of the Spirit as, okay, God has to knock me down. It could be. That's what God did to Paul. Knocked him off his donkey blinded him, right? Paul had issues, and it was the Holy Spirit that came and did a deep work in him. God dragged Paul into the kingdom and mission of God, and then sometimes God will draw us. He comes, and he knows that we need gentleness. He knows the season that we're in. He understands the unique complexities of our life and our personality, and he will speak to us. So I don't want to stereotype what being filled is. I just want to say God wants to fill you with his presence and with his power and with his love, which leads me to this as I close here. I got to be done with this, this very highly provocative word. It's called more. I think this year... If you want it, God's going to give you more than you've ever had. Well, Chris, um, hmm, okay. So are you saying that, hmm, okay, um, that we're supposed to have a client-consumer relationship and we're just only going to be entertained by God? No. Uh, Chris, are you saying when we talk about more that we, we need to be spiritual, gre spiritually greedy for encounters with Jesus and we go from event to event and event and we never live a life of obedience and spiritual disciplines? No. What I am saying is that more is a beautiful description of the fullness of the kingdom of God and the expectation that we should have when it comes to our relationship with King Jesus. More, not less more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Because the desire, in the words of one author, for more of God is a sign of spiritual health. The mature want more of God. When I first met my wife, I wanted to know everything about her. I wanted more, right? And I love when I, my, my wife and I, when we interact with our kids on a daily basis, it is our heart, it's our intention every single day to have the kids experience more of our love. So that, that, that means that every single day that I, I, my wife, and she's so tactile and she loves hugs and she's so good with the kids and I'm learning from her, but I just love coming and hugging my kids and playing with my kids and throwing them around in a very safe way, okay? 
I love it when I'm, you know, waking up early in the morning and we have four littles, you know, it's our quads and they just jump on our bodies. Pray that no one breaks my clavicle, okay? So I, I love just the tactile moreness of our relationship. And I just know as a father, and I know my wife as, as a mother, our desire is for our kids to experience our love every single day. I want them to have not just one hug. I'm not gonna go press. Okay, I gave you a hug last week. In two weeks, I'll give you another one. No, it's the heart of a father, and all the fathers said amen, to hug our kids, to be with our kids, to love our kids, to give our kids everything that they need to thrive in this world. That is a reflection of more. More is not just a cry of our heart. More is a reflection of the intention of the kingdom of God and the heart of our Father in heaven who is a good Father and wants to be with you every single day. The problem is we don't believe that. The problem is we have settled for something less than more. Hmm. I want more of God for this church. I want to grow. I want to hear God more. I want to see God more. I want to serve God more. I want to love God more. I want to experience His love more. I want my character to be formed and to be built. I want to speak truth to the powers. I want to know God's word more. I want to love my enemy more. I want to bless the world more. Come on, somebody. I want more, not less. You see, being filled with the Spirit, tasting of the Spirit or the powers of the age to come, tasting of the heavenly gift, again, more. This is, this is the essential DNA of the spiritual life. More. Being filled with the Spirit. The purpose of life, again, as I mentioned before, is not to hobble through our daily interaction with people and stuff. The purpose of life is to live from a place of fullness. So my question here is I close. What are you filled up with today? In the book of Acts, Luke's favorite word is fill. Fill, fill, fill. He says some Christians were filled with deceit and greed. He also says some pagans were filled with jealousy. He also mentioned that there was a city filled with great confusion. He also mentions it often uh, that the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. But they were also filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with grace and power. They were filled with wisdom and they were filled with faith. What are you filled with today? How much do you want of God this morning? Is there a more cry in your heart for God's presence? Hmm. I really do believe that God today, if you want it, it's, I felt it as I was preaching, it's his intent to come to us and smash every trust structure that we've put our hope in. Let me just define really quick, a trust structure is, is it's emotional clinging to a desire like success, money, fame, image, whatever your thing is that interferes with you ultimately putting your trust in Jesus. We all have it. I think God wants to set us free from that. I really feel like some of you are in bondage to sin and sin patterns and thought patterns and you've tried to break them in your mind. I think today the Holy Spirit can set you free as he fills you with his presence and his power. Some of us, again, we've talked about it often. We have emotional scripts that, that we write uh, and we've written personally or others have written um, and they're scripts that God has not written for us. God does not believe in them. God, it's not his opinion about us and we need to be freed from those. 
I believe today, if you want it, we can be filled with the presence of God. And I, I am just declaring, can I declare something over our church? Today is the beginning of a season in this church. And we've all kind of been tasting of this, but I think our taste buds are gonna get stronger. I think our appetite and our hunger for God is gonna grow. And I think this is the beginning of a new filling, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in our life, if you want it. God is calling this church to big things. Can I get an amen? But we need to be filled with the Spirit. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.